0: Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Good morning. Happy Sunday, Legacy Church Family, I am so excited to be back in the house of the Lord wherever you are all over the world. You're in the house of the Lord with the family of God here at Legacy Church. I am so delighted to see you again this Sunday. A quick testimony. Allison and I had our third baby this week. Our baby girl. Her name is Rua Grace. And another quick testimony. We're filming on Saturday, so I don't know what will be up-to-the-minute news tomorrow morning on Sunday as you watch this. But Allison just called me and told me that Rua was able to come off of oxygen. She's now breathing on her own. They expect for the feeding tube to come out tonight and for her to be able to eat on her own. And so initially when we went into uh, the, she went into the NICU, the doctor said, it may be like a week. And here we are just 48 hours, not even 48 hours, and she's already doing so well. I feel like the shift took place when we shared with everybody online and began to ask people to start praying. So I just want to say thank you, Saints. Thank you, Legacy Nashville. Thank you to each and every one of you guys that are dialed in with us wherever you are and for praying for us, praying for Allison, praying for our precious baby girl Rua. We are already seeing incredibly drastic, speedy improvements for her little body. And so we are believing she is gonna come home soon. So thank you guys so much for praying and for celebrating this new life with us. I'm excited. I I told Brian before we turned on the camera to film the message today, that I've had a very intense, emotional last couple of days. So it's not gonna surprise me if I cry, but I think I'll be able to make it uh, through this word that we have today. So if you have your Bible, let's continue our Presence People sermon series by turning to Exodus chapter 33. We've been in Exodus a lot during this series, and I really enjoy just reading through the storyline of Moses and watching how Moses, this incredible world changer, becomes himself a Presence person. Now, in Exodus 33, we're going to go to verse 7, and we're going to read from verse 7 to verse 11. You may remember hearing this passage of Scripture preached before at Legacy Nashville, and that's because it has been. This message that I'm going to share today is a message of the house. I had prepared to share on a completely different uh, passage this week, And Grace Mendez, our creative coordinator and I, we were chatting a little bit back and forth by text message in preparation for filming the weekend services. And she said, you know, I just feel like you should preach that word, get to the tent again. It's a message of the house. We're talking about presence people. We wanna see people grow and become activated in becoming presence people uh, that are a part of the legacy family. And I just think you need to preach that message again. That is a DNA message. That is a core message for our house. And I think you should preach that again. And at first I was, uh, I was adverse to it. I was like, no, no, people have already heard that before. They don't want to hear that again. But the more I began to pray and prepare for the weekend, the more I began to feel the confirmation in my spirit that I needed to share on Exodus 33, verse seven and 11, seven through 11 again, and just talk about this topic, get to the tent. I, a testimony is I've seen actually other ministries borrow this phrasing and create ministry programs around this message, Get to the Tent, okay? So we're going to talk about getting to the tent, finding your tent, getting in that tent, living in that tent, dwelling in that place of the presence because we church, Legacy Nashville family, we are presence people. So let's go to Exodus chapter 33, verse seven, and I'm going to read all the way to verse 11. It says, now Moses used to take the tent And pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, meaning he got away from the crowds. And he called it the tent of meeting. That means Moses had a name for his designated place to meet with God. He, he had the tent, which means it was a notable tent, and he called it the tent of meeting. He named the tent. So this is very, very significant for the life rhythm, for the devotional rhythm of the life of Moses. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So they had to m- make a little effort. To get out to the tent. And whenever Moses went up to the tent, all the people would rise up. Everybody say, rise up. And each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when Moses entered the tent the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Moses. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, Lord, I need an upgrade in my devotional times. I would like for every time I begin to pray in the morning with my coffee and my Bible, that a pillar of cloud would descend upon me and you'd begin to speak to me. Like I get provoked reading this passage. I'm like, I want that too, God. Verse 10, and when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up let me say rise up again. That's a significant part in this passage here. And they would begin to worship each at his tent door. It's kind of like the tent was Moses' devotional place. And as he was active and participatory in God's glory in his devotional place, then all of those in which he was leading or discipling, they became active in their devotional place, which is pretty amazing. Verse 11 says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I don't know about you, but I want that. I'll take that. How about you? I want to speak to the Lord in face to face. I want God to speak to me as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Joshua was was hungry to get in the presence of God. He was a presence person. He was watching Moses and he became a presence person as he followed Moses. Powerful, powerful passage of scripture there. And the, the, the title of this message it's simply you've heard it before. Get to the tent. So just you know, smack the person next to you. You know, watch, watch their coffee. But you know, tap them on the shoulder. Say, hey, get to the tent. All right. So Lord, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it does not fade. That it that it never expires. That it's always life giving. That it's always fresh. It's always transforming. God, put us on the potter's wheel today and 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 push around on us wherever you see fit to transform us more into the image God uh, of Jesus. We don't, we don't want to just call ourselves Christians, meaning Christ-like, uh, and, and, and that just be lip service. No, no, Lord, we want to have the devotional life of Jesus. We want to have the prayer life of Jesus. We want to have a lifestyle in the secret place like Jesus did, like Moses did, like the people in the Word did. And Lord, we're asking you for that today in Jesus' name. And everybody who wants a devotional life like that, all the presence people that are dialed in with me today, just say Amen. 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 So let's dive in here. I want to, you know, really just kind of point out that one verse of Scripture, and I did highlight it, which is verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. We're getting some insight here into the hunger of Moses, into the relationship that Moses had with the Lord, into the devotional life that Moses stewarded, and what we have to understand is that Moses was a world changer, just like you are, and he lived for encounters with God, just like we do as presence people. We have got to tap in to a lifestyle where we begin to live for encounters with God. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. We've got to find out. We need to discover just how many encounters with God that we can have and live. We, we're, we're presence people. We have to be passionate as Moses was to see God face to face. Now, I don't know about you, but I can trace back every substantial pivot in my life, every significant move or transition in my life to an encounter with the Lord. I bet you can as well. And I don't just mean like, you know, a nice Comfortable, pleasant, enjoyable—just soft-hearted type of encounter. I'm talking about tears and snot on the floor, in the carpet, hands lifted, crying out to God, like I've forgotten where I am and I don't care who's watching. You guys know what I'm talking about. It is moments like that. It's encounters like that, presence people, that that things shift in our lives. And I can look back on my own life and I can say, "Yep, I remember when I had that encounter and it led to this. I remember when that was going on in my life." But then I had that encounter and things shifted. And this is what Moses lived for. He, 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 he lived for the possibility of having encounters like that. that. That's what we need to be hungry for, church. That's what we must be hungry for, church, if we're going to become presence people. And it's absolutely possible for us to have face-to-face encounters with God. But there's a revelation in verse 11, which is this, is that face-to-face encounters with God don't just come to random people. No, they come to friends. It says that Moses and God spoke as friends. They spoke face to face. And so we know this lifestyle of encounter is not randomized, but it's connected to friendship. And so let's not just ask for the encounters of Moses, but let's also ask for the friendship of Moses. Let's ask for the friendship of Jesus because that's what presence people are all about, living for encounters from friendship and intimacy and and the significant encounters that change our life. That's what presence people do and that's what what Moses did. It is friends that see God face to face, church, not not religious, ritualistic uh, patrons. All right. It is friends that live a lifestyle of encounter, not just people who are, you know, giving lip service to God, clocking in and clocking out on a Sunday. This is a lifestyle of encounter. And this has to become our lifestyle if we want to be presence people. Not only presence people, but if we want to be world changers, if we want to be people whose lives count for something and make a difference and leave an impact long beyond our life, we have got to become people who are this hungry for encounters. World changers, they never tolerate afraid connection with God, but they're always passionately pursuing friendship with God. They don't tolerate afraid connection, but they passionately pursue friendship. That's what a world changer does. That's what Moses did. And that's what all kingdom leaders must do. They must love God and understand that they are completely dependent upon him. They are completely relying upon his voice and and his coming to them and and, and speaking to them and encountering them. They're completely dependent upon that. And if they're going to lead at the level that God has called them to lead, they know that they must have regular encounters. Let me tell you this, church, if you are going to do all the things that God has proclaimed over your life to do, you're going to need many encounters. If you're gonna fulfill all the prophetic words that have been released over your life, you're gonna need so many encounters with God. If you're gonna do everything that you're dreaming about doing, there is a variable that is encounters with God that must be present in order for you to inherit all of those promises. You need encounters with God. World changers understand this. Presence people understand this. Jesus understood this, which is why he slipped away to pray so often. And the subject of our sermon today they understands this in Moses. He knew he needed encounters, which is why he decided to build himself a tent. He said, Listen, I need to get away from the crowd. You need to get away from the crowd, right? We all do. We need to put the phone down. We need to get away from from, from the, the noise for a little bit. And Moses understood that. He knew, he said, I need to get some distance between me and, and, and just social interactions with acquaintances. I need to get some distance between me and what I do for my career. I need to get some distance between me and what I do for my calling in judging the people of Israel. I need to build for myself a tent. I need to designate a place where I'm going to meet with God. Now, church, I've done this myself at home. It's called my home gym slash office. And I go in there and I lock the door and my kids are banging on it sometimes because they want to get in. But that's where I go to meet with God. That's my personal tent. All right, I get in there. I've got a squat rack in there. I work out with my weights. I go over to my computer and type my sermons and just the whole time just walk around praying in the spirit and worshiping Jesus. That is my tent. That's my designated space. So I feel like I can understand what Moses needed here because sometimes I just got to shut the kids. Out, You know, I just got to shut the world out. I just got to get in that secret place and close the door and get in there and say, this is my tent. I know I need an encounter. I know I need to hear the voice of the Lord. I'm distracted. I am am, uh, dealing with anxiety. I feel like I got so many problems going on around me. I've got to get in that tent and I've got to worship and I've got to squat to, you know, I got to bench press a little bit. That's just me. That's my tent. That's how I designed it. You don't have to design yours like that. But I need an encounter with God. I am dependent upon encounters with God. I am relying upon hearing the voice of God. I want to be a world changer. I want to be a presence person. I want to to live a life that's that's congruent to that of the scripture. This is the kind of person I want to be, and I need encounters with God. So I designate for myself a place to meet with him, which is called my tent. And this is what Moses did. Exodus 33, uh, verse 7 said, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. You've got to do this yourself. I, I, I didn't know that I did this until I, until I read this, but you, you've got to do this. We all got to do this. We all have to build ourselves a tent, which is point one today. It is build yourself a tent. If you're taking notes, write that down. Build yourself a tent. All right. You've got to build yourself a tent. Moses established one for himself. This might be what you call a prayer closet, but you need a prayer closet. You can just say that with me. Say, I need a prayer closet, all right? You need a tent. I need a tent, all right? We all need a personal tent. And it was not just a tent, but like I mentioned when we read through the scripture, it was the tent. People knew about Moses' tent. People need to know about your tent because your tent is private, but it's not secret. You get what I'm saying here, church? Moses' tent was private, but it wasn't secret. People should know, your family should know, your wife should know, your kids should know, your roommates should know that you have a scheduled immovable date with God and that nothing is gonna cause you to violate that schedule with God because you are dependent upon your encounters. You live a lifestyle, a rhythm of meeting with God and therefore your tent, it's private because it's yours but it's not secret, your friends know about it, okay? And that's what Moses did. He built himself a tent, and it was the tent. And he called that tent the place of meeting. So your tent is your spot, the place that you meet with God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have a tent? Here's how you do it. Here's how you build yourself a tent. You must designate a specific place that you're going to go every day to meet with God. I don't know if that's like your breakfast nook. I don't know if that's your desk. I don't know if that's your car on the way to work. I don't know if it's in a park somewhere, but you must build yourself a tent. And here's how you do it. You designate a specific place that you're going to go to meet with God. Now, something else interesting about this this tag of the tent of meeting, what does that actually mean? I looked it up in the Hebrew, and it actually means the tent of the appointed time. So it wasn't just a place. The tent wasn't about just a location, but it was also about a time, a time of day. Moses developed this rhythm where he went at specific times of day to pray. And this is kind of like, When we know Daniel, you know Daniel prays multiple times a day, right? In the in the life of Daniel, in the life of David, we know that there is a rhythm, there is an appointed time. And so the second point is this: I want you to set a time for the tent. I don't want you to just build yourself a tent. I want you to set a time for the tent. I want you to schedule. This how you do it: schedule an immovable time to meet with God every single day. So you already have your spot. Maybe that's the car on your way to work. now you have to set a time. Okay, at 8.30 when I'm driving into work, I'm not gonna listen to podcasts despite how tempting it would be to you know, pull up YouTube and, and you know watch something fun or funny because I don't know if the day's gonna go well. No, no, I have set a time that I'm gonna meet with God and nothing is gonna obstruct that time and I'm gonna say, okay, from 8.30 to nine, I'm gonna pray. From 8.30 to nine, I'm gonna worship. From 8.30 to i I'm gonna listen to the Bible and I'm gonna ask the Lord to speak to me. From 8.30 to nine, I'm gonna sit down at my table. I'm going to get my journal out and I'm going to write down God thoughts. You must set a time for the tent, and how you do that is you schedule an immovable time to meet with God. And everybody should know about this too. Hey, that's just what Dad does. Friday morning at 7 a.m. We might as well not go knock on his bedroom door because we know he's he's having tent time, and this is what he does. And and your family should know that. And so, as Moses' team knew this, as Moses' community uh, knew this, uh, you know, the, the the nation of Israel, Moses community, people he led, people he was in relationship with, they they watched him go to the tent and whenever they watched him go to the tent, they would follow him because anybody who was seeking answers from the Lord, anybody who needed a judgment from the Lord, anybody who needed a decision from the Lord, they knew that whenever Moses went to the tent, that something spectacular was about to happen because God was about to start speaking to their, uh, to their leader in Moses and they knew, man, this is the right time to seek the Lord. I don't just need the opinion of men, I need a word from God. So if Moses is headed to the tent, I'm going to follow him because I need to hear from God for myself. So I'm going to follow him. And what you, what you have to understand about this is that leaders seek the Lord and people seek leaders that seek the Lord. Now, let me say that again. Leaders, if you're going to be a kingdom leader, if you're going to be a kingdom world changer, you're going to be a presence person, you must seek the Lord consistently. And here's the thing about leadership. People will seek leaders that seek the Lord always, because people want to be around leaders that spend a lot of time in the presence, because once they know that you have become uh, a trusted friend of God, that God trusts to speak to, then you will become a trusted leader in their life, because your voice will become trusted in their hearts, because they know you're not just speaking on the basis of what you think they should do, but you've sought the Lord on their behalf. They'll know that what you have to speak into their world has been tempered by the Holy Spirit, and so they'll follow you. They'll say, hey, you're a presence person, man. What's the Lord saying? What's God speaking? Do you have any advice for me? How do I heal my marriage? Speak into my world. This is what happens as people watch you go to your tent. If you want to be a kingdom leader, Church, if you want to be a world changer, if you want to be a history maker, I want you to understand something is that presence is a qualifier in your life and in your leadership. Presence is a qualifier. Here's why. Because presence is a purifier. You've got to get into the presence, particularly if you're ambitious to steward something. If you want to be a founder of a nonprofit, you want to be an entrepreneur to start a business, you want to lead a kingdom venture. You you feel called to great influence. You feel called to steward great wealth. You need to get in the presence even the more because the presence needs to purify all selfish ambition. It needs to purify your goals, your to do list, everything that you think that you need to do to achieve a certain measure of success or self worth. When you get into the presence, the presence begins to melt all of those things away that you don't actually need to accomplish your God-given assignment, and it fuels who you really are, your realest, truest self, the identity that Christ spoke over you when he formed you, and you're able to move forward in that, and then you can steward your call with purity, you can steward people with purity, you don't have any, you know, ulterior motives, you're not after their money, you're not after their stuff, you're not trying to get anything from them, you're simply trying to obey the Lord, because you know where your help comes from. You know where your soul's gratification comes from. You know where your fulfillment and your satisfaction in life comes from. And it's from being a presence person. It's from consistently in that rhythm. I've built myself a tent. I'm living for the tent, man. I know my answers come from the tent. I've set a time for the tent. I go to the tent every day. I know I need to get there. I know I need to be there because I'm dependent upon that. If you want to be a world changer, you want to be a presence person, these things are important. The more time you spend in the tent, the more qualified you are to lead. Let me say it again. The more time you spend in the tent, the more qualified you are to lead. I wish I could say that five times because it's actually so, so important. You can tell when people have had their tent time. For those of you guys who are married, you already know what I'm talking about. Maybe your husband comes out in the morning and they're like, you know, you need to get in the tent bro, all right? That is enough. Like, it is obvious you have not met with God in, like, three or four days. You haven't read the Bible in a week. You haven't received a word from the Lord. You haven't turned on worship. You need some tent time. So go ahead, you know, tell your spouse right now, say, hey, you need some tent time, all right? You need a little tent time. Now, ne- remember that next time when you see, you know, you know, your husband or your wife get a little grumpy, get a little fussy, say, hey, you need some tent time. Remember, hey, pastor said you need some tent time. So remember that. You can use that. Verse 8. Verse eight, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. So what you have to understand here is that when Moses began to pray and meet with God, it became significant for the people of Israel. You may not realize this, but your devotion affects your disciples. To say it another way, your devotion affects your kids. Your devotion affects the people you lead. Your devotion affects the people that you manage at work. People who are consistently spending time with God are more equipped to lead the people God's called them to serve, all right? If you rarely spend time with God, let me ask you, why would you expect God to trust you to lead his people? Why would would you expect God? God doesn't give great disciples to poorly disciplined, devotion-lacking, spiritually puny leaders. You can't take people where you haven't been, church. It's important to remember that. I want you to notice also that whenever Moses would go out to his tent, it said that the community would watch him. They begin to watch him. And I know we don't always think about this, but as parents, as leaders, as uh, leaders at work, as you know, whatever capacity you lead, because you're a leader, you're a world changer, people are watching you. People are watching you. They may not always hear what you say, but they will watch what you do. And that's important if you want to be a leader because you never reproduce what you say. You can only reproduce who you are. And so if you want to produce people uh, that are around you, you want to produce kids, you want to produce uh, empowered disciples in your life, you need time in the tent, all right? Number three, point three, if you're writing it down, here's point three, all right, write it down. Your impact is connected to your intimacy. All right. Your impact is connected to your intimacy. Remember this low intimacy equals low impact. Low intimacy equals low impact. Verse eight, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. Okay. I love this. All right. Because it says that whenever Moses would go into the tent, Uh, Then his people would rise up. So I read it like this when Moses went in, the people would rise up. And I love that because we always talk about, man, fam, I'm going in. I went in in worship today. I'm about to go in in prayer. I'm about to go in in the word. We always talk about that. Man, I went in. That service was so lit. That was crazy. That worship was so good. We went in today. I love that phrase, and whenever I read this passage, I thought of that, and I was like, okay, that means whenever I go in, that, 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 that people are going to rise up. Whenever Moses went in the people would rise up. Whenever you go in the people you lead are going to rise up. Whenever you go in mom then your daughter is going to rise up. Whenever you go in dad into the presence then your son is going to rise up. Whenever you go in manager, boss, leader, founder, entrepreneur, whatever it is that whatever hat you wear in life, all right? The people who are watching you, the people who are trying to figure out how to do this kingdom lifestyle of encounter that you're called to steward and expose them to, then they start to see that and they start to wake up. They start to rise up. They start start to recognize their own purpose and say, man, I can live for something greater than the nine to five. I can do something more than just, you know, get my way through life. I can meet with the living God. I can be a presence person. I can be a history maker like this person that I've been watching go to their tent day in and day out. They have built that tent. They've set a time for the tent. And now your impact, your impact is starting to happen. You know why? Because you've been intimate. Your impact is connected to your intimacy. Big intimacy equals big impact. Having big moments with God equals big anointing from God. Maybe that's one way you can say that, all right? So how is it that we have more impact? As you consistently meet with God, turn on and turn up your expectations for impact. Because when you step into that place of the presence, you're going to be anointed for breakthrough. So when you step out, you're going to carry that power. You're going to carry additional power. You're going to carry additional strength. You're going to carry additional courage. Because you know, I've met with God. Anything is possible. That's what he says. So you step out. Now you have greater expectation for impact. God moves through you to bless the world around you in a much greater way. Believe that. Stand on that. Know that. That is the case. Your intimacy is connected. Uh, your impact is connected to your intimacy. Now let's look at verse 11. When Moses turned again to the camp, his assistant, uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. I notice here that Moses, what he does is he invites his disciple, into the tent. He invited his son in the ministry into his intimacy. Now, I know a lot of times we talk about discipleship, like I'm going to invite this person, going to be my spiritual kid, and I'm going to invite them into my ministry. Well, before you can invite them into your ministry, you have to invite them into your intimacy you have to allow them to watch you uh, participate in prayer you have to allow them to witness you being intimate with God because maybe you fought for that place maybe you've developed that tent over time maybe it's taken you years to come to a place of comfort in interacting with the Lord but what you can do is when you bring your kids whether in the spirit or in the natural your disciples your friends your roommates whoever, whoever it is then they get kind of a fast forward experience they don't have to fight for everything. Make all the sacrifices that you've made to get to that place of encounter. They just step into your intimacy. They step into your ministry. Now, instead of just being a presence person, we have presence people because we're inviting people into the tent with us. We're saying, man, I'm going to prayer. Man, I'm going to worship. Man, I'm going to church. Do you want to come? Hey, uh, I, got, I got my wife here. Pray with your spouse. You know, hey, I, I, we're going to sit on the couch and maybe you play an instrument or something and worship. You have your kids. Kids, it's time to get the Bible out. I'm inviting you not just into my ministry, but I'm inviting you into my intimacy. You, you may not think of allowing somebody else to watch you worship as being discipleship, but when you invite others into your intimacy you allow them to learn how to connect to god in a greater way i've noticed this with my own kids as they have watched me worship you may not think they always listen to what you say but they watch what you do and uh, there's been so many times uh, as i've been in the car and 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 i've turned my car kind of into a tent whenever I take my son to school every day, and I watch as now when I worship in the morning, Isaiah just stick his hand up in the back in his car seat, you know, I'll say, hallelujah, heaven, hallelujah, and then sometimes I'll be like, yeah, come on, let's sing, and he's like, poo-poo, you know, I'm like, what? Come on, like, get the, stay in this with me, dude, you know, so it's like sometimes they get distracted, you know, he's wanting to watch YouTube on my phone or something, uh, but there's still that seed that's being planted, See, he's stepping into that intimacy, he's coming into that tent, he's diving deeper. He's learning how to worship. And now he's not going to have to fight the same battles that I had to fight to learn how to connect with God And that way at 25. He's going to be walking in the spirit at five, you know? And so that's what we do. We invite people in, which leads me to point four. Your intimacy determines your legacy. Remember this, all you parents, grandparents, if you want to be a parent, if you want to be a leader, your intimacy will determine your legacy. The presence that Moses cultivated did not leave with him after he passed away. Although he had departed, the presence that he had stoked remained and it remained upon Joshua, and this allowed Joshua to have experience he otherwise wouldn't have had, and this allowed Joshua to go to the next level. If you guys remember Joshua 1, think about verse 8, anywhere that you put your foot, I've given it to you. Joshua begins to take the promised land, which Moses was promised, and it wasn't just him inheriting the promises of his spiritual father. It was him inheriting the presence of his spiritual father, so he walked in a greater measure. Think about Elijah and Elisha. You know, uh, he walked in a greater measure, right? It wasn't just, hey, you're invited into my ministry. No, it's you're invited into my intimacy. All right. Your intimacy determines your legacy. Church, leave something for the next generation aside from money. Leave something aside from possessions. Leave something aside from opportunity. Uh, they'll take none of those things into eternity. Leave a legacy of intimacy, of communion with God, of being a presence person. Be a presence parent. You know, that's, that's the greater the intimacy, the greater the legacy of faith. Remember that. And here's how you do it. As you consistently meet with God, expect God to move through you to bless the next generation. Nothing is going to impact your legacy more than your intimacy with God. Nothing is going to impact your legacy more than your intimacy with God. So church, get to the tent. We are presence people. Make time for the tent. Remember this, designate a specific place that you're going to go to meet with God every day. That's your tent, all right? Schedule an immovable time that you're going to meet with God every single day. Begin to expect God to move through you, to change the world through impact and through legacy. Moses understood his dependency upon the tent, and as a result of his encounters there, he changed the world that's what we're called to. That's who we are. That's legacy. We are presence people. I pray in Jesus name that this message has just been infused into your spiritual DNA as part of this house and as part of this family, because this is who we are. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to spend time in the tent this week. If you've let your tent kind of fall to the wayside, maybe it's collapsed in on itself, get back out there and build your tent. Get away. All right. If you need to get on your Google calendar this week, set an immovable time to meet with God. This is who you you are, these moments are going to lead to you fulfilling what God has called you to do. As leaders, as world changers, we've got to be so full that the next generation can feed from our overflow. We've got to be so full of encounters that our city, Nashville, and whatever city you're from can feed from the overflow. I pray in Jesus' name for encounters in the tent this week. I pray in Jesus' name for greater spiritual discipline. I pray in Jesus' name for greater courage to seek the seek the Lord with reckless Abandon, Say, God, I just want you more than I want anything else in my life. And Lord, I ask you to encounter each and every person that is praying and asking for that right now. I pray for dreams, visions, visitations. I pray for life changing, soul shaking encounters. Just like I said, on their knees, hands lifted, weeping, whatever it looks like, God, as long as it's you, we say yes and amen. We want it because we're presence people. I love you, church. I bless you today. In Jesus' name, have an amazing Sunday. I love y'all. Can't wait to see you. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.